0: Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck.
1: Intensity is not a perfume. Oh
0: my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. Spring training games are underway in West Palm Beach, and we are excited to bring you more coverage here on the Mass and All Access Podcast. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings, coming at you live from our Mass and Web Studio in our brand new set background. Really digging how this is looking uh, over the past couple of podcasts. Hope you're watching us live on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel. But if you're not, you're catching us after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Amy, we've got a couple games under the belt. Short spring training, opening day is like know, two weeks like, away, less than two weeks away.
1: I it feel like it's going so. It's fast, going so, so fast, like,
0: which we kind of expected, but I, it's been really exciting. Of course, yeah. if you watched last night, the Nash were on Masson debut for Kevin Franson as the play-by-play guy along Bob Carpenter. We got to see some new and old faces. Uh, mm-hmm. Sean Doolittle made his spring training debut yesterday on the broadcast, so that was the first of three games that are going to be on Masson during Grapefruit League action this spring. The next one coming up. Um, on Monday, one o'clock game, afternoon game against the Marlins from the ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Um, what did you watch any of the game last night? I know you have well, weird yeah, sleep hours. I caught a
1: little bit. But yeah, yeah. My sleep hours. It was just cool. nice
0: to have baseball on the TV, it is, right? It feels
1: so good. It's back officially.
0: Mm-hmm. It just. You got to see Juan Soto walk. You got to see. Uh, like I said, Sean Doolittle make his debut. He looked good. He was pumping mm-hmm. 93. I think he even touched 94 at some point. Um, he looked strong. Eric Fetty made the start for the Nationals. A lot of regulars in the lineup to start the game. Um, and this can get ramped up, right? Because like I said, shorter spring training, guys are going to need to play a lot more games. You'll probably see a lot of guys, when they normally wouldn't, play away games more often than usual. All the mass and broadcasts will be home games, of course. Um But So you're going to see, like, Juan Soto, Nelson Cruz, Josh Bell. Josh Bell played. I hit a couple of hard walls last night, too. So you're going to see a lot of these guys play a lot more innings in a short amount of time um, as the spring training gets moving.
1: Right, and we can talk about, you know, these position battles and these new guys to the team all we want, but to actually see it play out um, and get to see it on TV is kind of exciting. So we're off to a good start here. Opening day is just, yeah, two weeks, under two weeks away. So we're getting super close, and it's exciting to see – And we had some, also some other exciting news outside of spring training. Um, And we found out the Nats are going to retire Ryan Zimmerman's number. So that was really exciting to see. That'll be the be the first Nationals player to have his number retired um, as a National. So good for him. I think we all saw it coming, but to hear the official announcement uh, is exciting. Yeah,
0: Mark Lerner made the announcement on the Masson broadcast Monday night. Of course, the Nationals will retire number 11. No other player will ever wear that number 11 in Nationals history. Like Amy said, the first player to get that number officially retired. There's a ring of honor. Jason Worth is up there. Um, But those numbers aren't officially retired. Number 11 will be. That'll be a part of Ryan Zimmerman weekend, June 17th and 18th. There'll be a special giveaway that Friday. I believe that actually is one of those. That Friday is actually one of those double headers we scheduled against the Phillies. So my guess will be that giveaway will be given out on on that night camp of that game and then the re- t- official retirement will take place Saturday um, during or before the game with a bunch of pregame ceremonies I will be shocked if it's not a packed crowd for both of those games mm-hmm. it's going to be a fun weekend at Nationals Park um, Ryan Zimmerman weekend, of course the whole Zimmerman clan will be there, Ryan will be there uh, it's going to be a really special moment and, you know, we, we obviously have talked a lot about Ryan's retirement uh, since that official announcement came down, we've heard a lot of Fans tell a lot of great stories, a lot of special moments that they shared with Ryan in the past. A lot of those happening in spring training, right? Because that's when fans get a lot of great access to the players because it's a way more casual setting. Um, But yeah, I think the right decision, we kind of saw this coming. We figured it would would happen, that he would be the first player to get his official number retired. And now we know the date, June 17th and 18th. Mark your calendars, buy your tickets. It'll be a fun weekend.
1: Yep. Only 10 other players have been drafted by a team and played 16 or more seasons with that team and won a world series with that team and had their number retired. So he'll be the 11th on that list. Very fitting yeah, uh, right. Ryan Zimmerman. Um, and you know, aside from all of his accolades, um, actually on the field, he really is Mr. National. And if anybody's going to have their number retired or be the first one, uh, to have their number retired officially by the nationals, it would be Ryan Zimmerman. So that'll be an exciting weekend. Well-deserved. Um, and we've gotten to see his face a little bit yeah. down at spring training. So he is not far from the team. Right.
0: <laughs> and I was going to say, of course, he's still around, uh, He, you know, it it was reported, not reported, but like pretty widely known that he was making appearance at spring training. We talked about that either the last week or a couple of weeks ago that Davey wants him to talk to the young guys. You mm-hmm. know, he spent a lot of time at minor league camp um, and talking to the young prospects down there and showing them like the right way to go about things. We know about Ryan's, you know, post playing career contract with the nationals. He's going to be involved with the organization. He's going to be around. Um, it was cool seeing him. You know, it was weird seeing him. I don't know if you saw the pictures that some of the reporters were tweeting, but he was like out there at spring training, like in, in
1: in a, jur- in a uniform I mean, with a hat. Yeah.
0: I think he even wore as number 11, mm-hmm. but we know he's not a player. Yeah. Um, it
1: felt weird yeah. a little bit. I was like.
0: Oh. And it's kind of funny to think that now with the, his number being retired, he will be able to always do that. You know, he'll always have a number 11 jersey ready for him whenever he goes to spring training. And that won't ever have to be a problem being confused with another player wearing that jersey because mm-hmm. it will always be his number. So that'd be kind of cool to see. Uh, I'm sure he'll be around. I mean, I'm pretty sure. He's got a house in his family I spent a lot of time in Florida of course you know during his playing career so I'm, I bet you he'll be around a lot more during uh, camp um, especially with the minor league guys because Dave really wants his that veteran influence on him and you know when you see Ryan Zimmerman walk into a room you know if you're a young nationals player you know that you know this is this is the guy mm-hmm. this is mr International you want to hear and soak up everything he has to say so very exciting also coming down yesterday on the Ma- mass broadcast. Fewer details on this, but Mark Lerner also announced that the Nationals will be unveiling a new jersey this year, a new alternate jersey. Mm -hmm. He was very, I I don't want to say cryptic, but didn't just give out any information about it, just said that they've been working with Nike for a couple of years now on this uh, new look, and uh, it's going to debut, he said, the 29th, but... Was unclear of whether that was going to be March, April, or May. Twenty <laughs> uh, My guess is it. not going to be March because that's in seven days, and, and that wouldn't
1: really. Well, maybe.
0: But in a spring training we'll game, what's the, the? Why would you do that? Why, yeah. why, well, wait. maybe
1: they'll just unveil it and then wear it. Yeah, no, you're probably.
0: Either way, you know, if, if you pay attention to the Nationals Twitter, there was a very. Odd tweet that they posted a couple of days ago with just two color schemes. And then now with this announcement we kinda kinda of connect the dots and figure out that it's gonna be a cherry blossom themed jersey uh with that pink and slate color. Uh you you don't look you, you look I don't skeptical. Know if I
1: love it. I'm gonna be completely honest. I don't know if I love it, but it'll be cool, unique,
0: I yeah. guess. Well, okay, so all right. Uh, My guess is May 29th, because if he said 29th, it's Memorial Day weekend, and they're at home on a Sunday. Okay. Late May would be a good time to debut a a Cherry Blossom jersey. are we in
1: the peak of Cherry Blossoms right now,
0: though? Actually, yesterday was the first day of spring, and wait, no, the first day of spring was over the weekend, Um, so it was Sunday. I think yesterday I saw that someone said that today... I don't know who these people are, maybe the National Park Service, but that was, yes, Monday was the Who are your sources, Bobby? Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I just follow the local news guys on Twitter, and they said that, the the um, official said that Monday was the peak bloom for the cherry blossoms, and they are not at home on May 29th. So my guess it will be, or April 29th, excuse me. uh, May 29th 29th. will be that jersey reveal. So exciting, very DC themed. Mark Leonard did say that it's going to be DC themed. Fans will be excited to see that. So, a new twist. And you know what? I mean, you know, don't, not to get on a tangent because we have baseball things to talk about too, but I really like, I think baseball has a very good opportunity just to create so many different jersey schemes mm-hmm. and colors and stuff like that because fans eat that up. It's more merchandise to sell. You know, it makes the game more fun. That's you know, true. remember the Players Weekend jerseys of old from a couple years ago. Those were always fun with the nicknames on the back. You know, they're just... I like that idea, being a little more creative and thinking outside the box, not just the standard uh, white curly W. Yeah, and blue the Nationals, Nationals are
1: still a newer team. You know, yeah. you can kind of do a lot more with your jerseys than, say, you know, some organizations that have been around forever and you have that tradition that, you know, you don't want to break. So yeah. they do have an opportunity to be fun. So you're right. Yeah. Bobby, I'm, I like it. Right. I'm going to get in the spirit. Let's you got see what me. they
0: look like. I mean, I. I might not buy a full jersey, but <laughs> maybe a jersey or maybe yeah. a, a hat if they have a special hat that oh, comes yeah. out. I'll, I'll okay. snag one of those. Maybe
1: we'll wear them on the podcast. Yeah, hey, hey,
0: let's do it. And Maybe we can get uh, at Nationals to send us a couple to promote yeah. uh, that weekend, Memorial Day weekend. Um, Alright, let's talk about baseball because there was actually a lot of news, baseball-related news over the weekend. Spring training games started on Friday and before the first pitch of Grapefruit League action oh. was even thrown for the Nationals, some heartbreaking news. Carter Keebum originally slated to Play third base in that game, was scratched early from that game. We did not know why until after the fact. Elbow soreness, what he was called, Mm -hmm. uh, he called it um, on Friday. It was supposed to be a game against the Marlins. A sore right elbow, never a good sign when you hear right elbow and knowing that that's his throwing arm, um, even though he's not a pitcher. Saturday, it was revealed to be a flexor mass strain in his right elbow. Okay, not as serious. That's something that takes some time, but it's not devastating. Then on Sunday, Carter told the media that he will probably be out four to six weeks per the doctor uh, with that strain. And he was shocked, very upset. Um, By all accounts, we didn't see too much. Obviously, you and I had not been down there. I think Mark Zuckerman had just gotten down there. So we did not see very much with our own eyes how Carter was looking in camp. But Davey Martinez was very had a lot of high praise early on said he looked great he came into great camp with great shape and was playing really well during the drills at third base and then yesterday on monday he lands on the 60-day injured list and it's also revealed that he along with that original flexor mass strain has a ucl strain of course the tommy john ligament in his right arm so he will be out for a extended period of time um we're looking at at least two months clearly not going to be open on the opening day roster for keep him.
1: Yeah. Anytime you hear UCL, it kind of makes you cringe a little bit. Obviously if it's bad enough, he'll need surgery to repair it. And then of course, if it's torn, it could end up him needing Tommy John, but he said he came, came into camp. It came, came out of nowhere. He came yeah. into camp feeling really good and it kind of caught him by surprise. He said he was shocked. So you definitely don't want to see that. They said, you know, four to six weeks for now, and then they'll kind of take it day by day as far as what he needs. But Nothing good ever with your throwing elbow. Nope. UCL, you don't want to hear it. And when Carter keep him, it's like this kid just... He hasn't necessarily been bit by the injury bug, but it just seems like he can't catch a break, um, especially spring training when he's still fighting for that third base spot.
0: Yeah, you look if you remember back to last year when um, the Nationals needed infield help and they brought up Luis Garcia instead of Carter Kim. That wasn't because Carter was hurt. Luis was just playing better, mm-hmm. and they had more faith in Luis Garcia taking everyday reps in the on the major league roster than Carter. And now this was the year, you know, he was probably going to be your opening day third baseman. Yeah. And... Um, Oh, I mean, there was still—you know—we still have two weeks left of camp. The Nationals have brought in reinforcements, which we'll talk about in a little bit about uh, to 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 battle Carl Carter for that spot. But it was looking like Carter Keeban would be this opening day third baseman. I don't think Dave actually went out of his way to say that I think he was still pretty open to the competition idea but it looked like that way and now of course that's not going to be the case and you're right just a tough this is one thing though that Carter could not help you know before we talked about you know he needs to improve in the plate he needs to improve in the field with his glove he needs to be quicker with his um, transition from glove to hand and throwing the ball across the field that's something he could handle. This is something he can't control. That's really unfortunate for a guy like Carter who has, this is a big year for him. This right. could be, I mean, I don't want to be too over dramatic about this, but this could be a career altering injury for Carter because we're looking at a timeline for him where he's almost running out of, not actual options, but, like, chances with the Nationals to make a name for himself and be the everyday third baseman. Right.
1: He's still young, so I think that's why he's been able to get so many opportunities. Obviously, a first-round draft pick, they haven't given up on him yet, but, you know, he he has struggled and struggled and struggled at the big league level, and eventually you kind of have to forget about the minor league numbers and say, look, dude, you're going to have to hit uh, in the majors now. Really, the first time he got the official you know, starting everyday job at their base was the end of last year. Once Mm -hmm. they were, you know, set on this rebuild and they said, hey, just go out there. We're going to give you, you know, give you the chance. And that's when he hit 208 in the last two months of last season with the 619 OPS. So not great, still better. We saw improvement for sure at the plate and in the field, um, but still not where he needs to be. So I think going into camp, he was going to have a battle for that starting up their base spot. I think they still would have gone with him um and on opening day yeah. in that third base spot. But I think there was still, you know, a competition and obviously they brought in backups kind of like they did last year. Like he was gonna be the guy. But if he didn't get the job done within the first few weeks of the season, they had somebody there.
0: Well we had last year we saw them switch to Starling the Castro right. over to third base at the last minute because they, they didn't have the faith that Carter could take it and obviously that were that was to be the case and and they brought up Luis garcia before they brought up Keyboom. um yeah i mean the numbers aren't great he's a career 197 hitter over uh what is it 106 games we kind of talked about that earlier in the season that he hasn't had that much of an opportunity it's a small sample size over three years and of course 2020 was a shortened season only eight home runs and two of those came within like the first like two weeks of his major league debut remember he like sh- you know took the world by storm or at least Nats fans by storm by hitting a home run. And I think in his first major league game, if not his second. Um, and then he hit another one, like, a couple games later. And then ever since then, he's been very it, quiet. Much, yeah. And, you know, yes, we saw small improvements from Carter last year. You mentioned how he got more playing time at the end of the season, but the problem was it was never consistent enough. He would have like a really good week, you know, didn't hit the ball out of the ballpark a lot, obviously with only just the eight home runs six last year, but he would get, make nice contact he would get on base he would make a nice looking play at third base and then everything would come crashing down and he would make the net following got like a boneheaded play on the bases or at third base there was one in particular where you know he tried to make a very nice fancy play I think to turn a double play or something or throw him across the diamond all he needed to do was step on right. third base and that was the end of the inning and it turned into a whole fiasco. Mm-hmm. So. It just was a consistency factor. He obviously needs to up his level of play, but also keep it there because it's been way too much of like you know sound waves for him—ups and downs, ups and downs. Um, and he needs that steady level, and you know hitting below the Mendoza line is not going to do it at the major league level. So, a tough break for Carter for sure, and the Nationals. Um, but you know, hopefully he this is not a, a TJ situation. Hopefully he doesn't miss the entire season. If he does, that is. Obviously, worst-case scenario, and hopefully that does not set him back even further. It probably will when you miss an entire season, um, and a season that was very important for his career with the Nationals because then you're looking at, all right, we might have to just kind of bite the dust on this one and, and move on.
1: Yeah, the good news is right now they did just say rest and hopefully rehab yeah. uh, for the time being, and then they'll be able to evaluate as, you know, the weeks go on. Tests but-
0: show just a strain. Mm-hmm. N- no tears. That's Which is huge. Which is huge. But— you know, that's going to be a sore elbow and you know, you feel it when you throw it and you have to throw it. The- yeah, he kind <laughs> of make diamond. arguably the, the furthest throw in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in the infield. So, you know, it's going to be tough. Um I, I, We'll see how he bounces back. We're obviously we're hoping for good news, not going to be on the opening day roster. So that now turns our attention to who will be the nationals opening day, third baseman. And we kind of alluded to this early on in the conversation. They do have, you know, backup plans in place. They brought in a handful of veterans, notably on minor league deals to kind of fill in this hole and bring in, you know, it was supposed to be a competition, now, I mean, it still is an open competition. It's not like the Nationals are scrambling now to go find a third baseman. Right. This is in a situation where Anthony Rendon is your starting third baseman. He goes down for a long period of time, and now you're scrambling to yeah. find a replacement. They already have guys in place in camp that are competing for this job, led by Michael Franco.
1: Yep, exactly. I mean, I think him and A. Ray, Adrian, a. Ray Adrianza. It's so hard to say. <laughs> um Tongue twister, I think are the most likely, you know, to be battling it out for that for that job. Now, these are two veterans that have a proven track record. Franco, a more proven track record as far as it, when, it, when it comes to hitting, but Adrianza is still a reliable guy. He's played his most games at third base, um, over 100 games at third base with a 678 OPS there um, in his career. So these are two veterans that I think are the most likely to be competing for that for that starting job, Franco probably leading the pack.
0: Yeah, Michael Franco, uh, of course, played uh, most of his career in Philly, so uh, Nationals fans should be familiar with uh, his work with the uh, uh, the Phillies. In 2020, he's played all 60 games with the Royals, then uh, signed and played um, 104 games with uh, the Orioles last year. Um, only hit two ten. He's not a very consistent hitter either. Two forty six for his career, um, 121 home runs. 428 RBIs over his eight seasons. But, you know, it's an established veteran. You're, it's not going to be gold glove, all-star caliber play over there, but you know you can at least count on him to get the job done to a certain extent. Maybe even better than Carter could have. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just because he's been an established major leaguer for all these years. He's played hundred and over 100 games in a majority of his career, except for 2020, where he played all 60 of the 60 game season. So, you know, he's durable. He's out there. You can count on him to be the play. What you get from him is, you know, that's kind of a, a, a mixed bag. But, you know, you can yeah. at least have an established third base bat.
1: Yeah, he struggled last year with the Orioles, but before that, like you said, found success with the Phillies, found success with the Royals. Um, and you know, like Mike Rizzo always says, trust the go- trust the back of a guy's baseball yeah. card. Um, and that's kind of the opposite when we talk about Carter Kivum at third base. But when it comes to Franco, he's a he's a proven veteran that is probably your strongest option heading into the season. And then you have A. Ray Adrianza, and like you I mentioned, the yeah, that was much smoother. That was good. Not necessarily the best numbers at the plate, but he did lead all of Major League pinch hitters with an extra base hits last year. So that there's something to that. Um, but he is a veteran utility guy. He's played a lot of games at their base. So I think, you know, he gives you another solid option there.
0: I think it, uh, something that just popped in my mind about this. There's kind of a indirect Nelson Cruz effect here. Because remember, we were talking about how the Nationals will fill the DH role for a long time. Could it just be a revolving door? They have a lot of essentially utility guys, especially on minor league deals. They could kind of mix and match them across the infield, maybe even outfield, and then also the DH. spot. Nelson Cruz eliminates that need, right? So now these guys can mostly focus on being, you know, infielder utility guys and finding a spot in the field because you know Nelson Cruz is going to play in the field even though he has a a, he brought a glove to spring training but (laughs) he's more likely than not going to be just a universal permanent DH Josh Bell will DH probably a handful of times maybe even Caber Ruiz to get him a break from behind the plate Juan Soto David Martinez said yesterday on the master broadcast you know Juan Soto will get his time at the DH spot too so kind of keep him off his feet as much as possible so like guys like Franco, Adrianza, uh, you even look at the D-Strange Gordon, um, Richard Arania, who's brought on, on a minor league deal uh, from the Blue Jays. You know, those guys can fill in in the infield as opposed to being necessary to be, you know, DHs at times. You probably won't see them be DHs anytime soon because there are bigger bats to be filled and you have that permanent guy, Nelson right, Cruz. <laughs> be so, your everyday DH. so now they can kind of focus more on being... You know, in this case, a third baseman because that's the absolute need right now. Because second base probably manned by Cesar Hernandez. Shortstop going to be split between Luis Garcia and Alcides Escobar. Third base is now the pressing need, and those guys. I mean, D Gordon Strange probably won't play third base, but you know, the, right. the, the, the rest of the guys will can now focus on that.
1: It's good, and it's good to see some options because that was really the issue with the Nationals last year, particularly. But the last few years is they didn't really have a lot of versatile. Players, you know, that could play a lot of different different positions, and all of these guys that we are talking about, Franco most likely a third baseman, uh, D. Strange Gordon, you know, most likely not going to play third base, but they can if if you need them to. So with these guys, especially Adrianza, you're getting versatile players that can play a lot of different positions, and when you're you're end up in a position like this heading into opening day, you feel a lot better about it.
0: It's just like there's not that much point in kind of harping on this point. But it just kind of makes you think, what if the nationals had a guy like Chris Bryant? Mm-hmm. I know he just signed with the rockies it's it's not happening, but we know that there was interest that he was a guy we talked about last off season, not so much this off season because we' going to cost more. The nationals focus had shifted from competing to rebuilding, but this is kind of situation where you just kind of wish you had a Chris Bryant type. Because not only is he an all-star caliber third baseman, but he can play in the outfield. He's got more versatility. While these guys have some versatility, I think even Gordon played a little bit in the outfield last night in the uh, Nationals game. They're not that kind of level. And you kind of just wish, oh, you can't help but wonder, like what if the Nationals had kind of just went after a big-name guy like Chris Bryant? Not saying Chris Bryant specifically, but like that.
1: Yeah, and it makes you wonder in two years when they're – hopefully competitive again, what will they do at third base? Because if Carter Kibum isn't your answer and all of these guys are veteran guys, they're not your third baseman of the future. And you're looking at this prospect list. There's not a whole lot of third baseman's on it. um, Unless you're talking about moving, you know, your Brady house is over to third base. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that'll be interesting to see what they do. And if they eventually do go after a big name like that, when they're competitive again, to fill that third base. role. And
0: now over a week into Camp, you know, a lot of free agents have already signed, like you kind of mentioned. Kyle Seeger even retired, but Bryant, Eduardo Escobar, Jonathan Villar, Matt Duffy, all have already signed. Um, the only free agents remaining, Starling Castro, we know that's not going to be a reunion that Mike Rizzo is going to want to entertain. Jose Rondon is still out there. Azdrubal Cabrera, and I saw that name pop up a little bit yesterday and, and at Massive Nationals mentions once it happened. I mean, it's a thought, it's definitely a possibility the Nationals know what they got in him, but you look at he's 36 years old. It's a possibility, like I said. When
1: you already have some options that are probably just as good really. Probably just –
0: right, correct. And, it's pro- and even better because Franco has a higher award last year than uh, Cabrera did, and he's seven years younger. He's only 29 years old um, for the season. So that's probably a better option right there than going back to – I know everyone's loving the Sean Doodle Please. reunion, Anibal Sanchez reunion. But, you know, hey, maybe if it comes down to it and, you know, you just want to add depth, sure – but Franco has probably got to be the number one guy right here, even though he's on a minor league deal. You figured he, they, he would make the club and be your opening day third baseman.
1: Yep. And then when they moved Carter Keboom to the 60 day injured list, they claimed Hunter Harvey from the Giants off of waivers um, and they were able to make room on the roster for him.
0: Well, that was kind of so we, we, we were wondering what that, that roster move would look like and it Hunter Harvey is the claim. I don't know if fans from around here know him from his time, short time with the Orioles. He was one of their top prospects for a long time. He brings the heat. He can touch triple digits with his fastball. If you're watching live and seeing some of his highlights from his time with the Orioles, but he was claimed by the Giants, I believe last off season or this past off season. And then they immediately cut ties with him. So, you know, he didn't spend very much time in Giants camp. I know he was there for a little bit, but then they DFA'd him just last week and the Nationals are taking a chance Talked with Mark Zuckerman last night on Mass and All Access Extra about it. You know, they, the big issue with this guy is his health. He has not been healthy for a majority of his career. He cannot stay healthy. His only pitched collectively just over 23 innings in 26 games over three seasons in Baltimore at the Major League level. 23 strikeouts, you know, over those innings is something to look at, though. But can he stay healthy? Does he still have that velocity Orioles, excuse me, the Nationals are still going to give him a chance. It's just a matter of can he put it all together because he did was a top prospect in the Orioles farm system, albeit before they Mm -hmm. became one of the top uh, farm systems in all of baseball. Uh, But, you know, he has the stuff. It's just a matter of his healthy. Can he be healthy and can he kind of harness it all?
1: Right. When he's healthy, he throws the ball hard, like you mentioned, triple digits and he has good stuff. It's just he, when you talk about guy who's fallen on bad luck, he has just been hurt literally his entire career. And yeah. sometimes it's even like freak stuff. Like he was moving out of the way of a line drive in the dugout in, in the minor leagues and like popped his shoulder out of place, I mm-hmm. think. So it's just sometimes just bad freak injuries for Hunter Harvey. And Davey Martinez did say... He he is healthy, so that's good, and he's throwing the ball well, which is which is good. Um, that's what it all comes down to. And taking a chance, I mean, it's low risk, could be high reward. Uh, it's just, it will he ever have a healthy season? Still yet to be known.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just a roster claim, right? You know, he's not to have, uh, a
1: still have a to chance. Have a chance bullpen role. And we talked about too,
0: we. I think it, we're going to talk about the other guy that they claimed over the, or signed over the weekend in, in um, Jace Fry, but. You know, it's just adding to that bullpen mix. Worst bullpen in the National League last year. Cost them a lot of games late. A lot of young guys. I mean, Kyle Finnegan was on the broadcast last night. Obviously, they brought in Sean Doolittle to kind of add that veteran leadership along with Will Harris. Um, But Kyle Finnegan was saying, you know, know, we're all looking to take that step forward. We know we weren't up to stuff last year. And, uh, you know, it's good to have a guy like do and will Harris in that clubhouse in that bullpen to kind of guide these younger guys because they do need to take a step forward. Hunter Harvey has been around, you know, for a couple of years, he's still relatively young. Um, but we'll see if they're able to, you know, kind of get the both out of him. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and get his potential, reach his potential. It's been a long. He's only 26. I think he just turned 26 in December. Um, yeah, and, and it's, nothing, it's low yeah, risk. And,
1: and nothing hurt if it doesn't pan out for him. We mentioned last week when, when they went after the Steve Seashek's a little bit more a little bit more high profile proven veterans um that I didn't necessarily think that they would go go after to fill these bullpen roles. And now it's kind of, you know, the lower end guys that are low risk, you can get, you know, claim and as long as you have a roster spot for them, why not, you know, let them compete for a spot?
0: Yep. All right. Well, the other guy that the Nationals added to their uh, bullpen over the weekend was a left-hander, Jace Fry, which we also have mentioned that the Nationals need to add lefty because it was Sean Doolittle. We talked about it last week about he, he you know brings that, obviously that pedigree, but also being a left-hander for a bullpen that is lacking them. Um, minor league deal, invite to big league camp, pitched for the White Sox last year, um, or actually for, most, for all of his short career so far, he's pitched with the White Sox. Odd that he's pitched 162 games even, so like I know pitchers don't pitch every single game, but that's a season's worth sample size right there. 504 ERA, 168 strikeouts, a whip of 1471. Um, I like It's a left-handed arm adding to that because you can't just, like I said, we can't just go in with Sean Doolittle, um, uh, uh, Sam Clay, uh, and um, who's the guy that claimed from the, the Guardians? Perez. Perez, yeah. Uh, so they need to add lefties. It's going to be a very righty, heavy bullpen, but Chase Fry at least adds some. Another option right there, and we'll see how he pans out in camp. I, mean, I don't think he's made it. They just claimed him over, I think it was Sunday, mm-hmm. so he hasn't made his his Nats debut just yet, but it should be coming out a couple of days.
1: Yeah, and this is a guy that struggled last year, only pitched six and two-thirds at the big league level, and struggled, had an ERA over 10, but he was on the IL for most of the season, uh, and then he found a little bit of success when he got moved down to the minor, so that's good, um, and he did pretty well from 2018 to 2020. He had a really really good strikeout rate. So this is another guy kind of low risk. Why not? Um, And you're getting, you're adding a lefty, which they definitely need in this bullpen.
0: Yeah. And uh, well, we have actually, I have some breaking news right now on the podcast because the nationals don't play a game, a spring training game today. Today's their first off day, but there is news to be had today because today's arbitration deadline day. Um, That might mean something to you guys. Might not, not really a big deal. These are all just get players that are arbitration eligible three to six years of service time can kind of uh bargain for their own, uh, you know, raises essentially salary raises. Um, obviously, and Jeff passed, Jeff has to point this out for people who don't know, these aren't going to be market value raises. Like Juan Soto is arbitration eligible. He's not going to get paid, you know, his whatever, you know, right. 500 million dollar contract whatever this year this is going to be a modest raise compared to what he should be getting like on the free agent market um eric Fetty per robert murray just settled um and avoided arbitration hearing 2.15 million dollar deal for this year he was projected for 1.9 million dollar salary per mark zuckerman so that's one guy off the list um i think and uh other guys that are arbitration eligible, I mentioned Soto, Josh Bell's a big one too, um, and I think even Joe Ross, but we'll see how that works out because now, of course, he's injured too, so that might affect his, you know, negotiation uh with the nationals and how he's gonna handle this uh this year's contract. yeah or salary. Yeah
1: probably Fetty one of the like not as exciting names on mm-hmm. this list, but still still important and still breaking news. And we got to see him debut yeah. yesterday. Um and he got into a little bit of a trouble, gave up a single, a walk and a hit batter, but then he got out of it uh and threw two scoreless innings. Yep. I, I think believe. he played yeah.
0: yeah he pitched two. Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: So good 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 debut. And you know we're going to see these guys ramp up soon and quickly mm-hmm. too. Strasburg, of course, not. We know that he's going to take his time. He hasn't pitched in the game yet. Patrick Corbin, I believe, is supposed to make his debut tomorrow, uh, Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. Um, against, I don't know, but I don't know their schedule right Miami in front of me. Maybe. Um, so, you know, we typically don't see these big names. Big name. I know if it's Eric Fetty, but guys that are going to be your starting pitchers make these debuts this early in the se- uh, spring training. But again, it's a short spring training. They're going to have to get out. In it. It's going to be short innings, you know, to start only two from Fetty last night. it only pitching the one. But we're going to see them ramp up soon because, like we said, open days a couple weeks away. The next time you see Fetty, yeah, he might have to go four. We just saw... Um, on the on the Mets side, Max Scherzer got stretched to five innings already, and in just I think his first or second outing. So it's going
1: to happen quickly. About, yeah, we talked about it last week. It makes me nervous. I think there's going to be injuries all around, but especially with pitchers, especially with young pitchers, this makes me this shortened spring training really makes me nervous. But we'll see. Fingers crossed.
0: Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, you know, I will be interested to see when Strauss eventually makes his debut. Yeah. And yeah. debut in in, in grape in the Grapefruit yeah. League. Yeah. Um because we know he's not going to be ready for opening day, how slowly is he going to take this, right? I mean, it, I think slower the better, honestly. Davy has said it. We've said it. We'd rather have Strauss make 25 to 30 starts this year than be ready for opening day and then only make another five starts. Right. This is an important year for Strauss. Year three of that seven-year deal he signed after the World Series, I think he's only pitched collectively like 15 innings since in, like, over five starts or so. Um, I, this is the guy that you've invested in. You picked him over Anthony Rendon. That's a different conversation. But a lot of money, you know, from former number one overall pick by the franchise is probably going to be a national for life. How does he kind of bounce back and prove that he's going to live up to this contract over the latter half of it now that we're in year three of it? Um, and he just... Hasn't been. Not only has he not pitched well, he hasn't been available.
1: Well, that's the thing. Like you could probably get over if he was making his starts and like getting lit up. Maybe not. Maybe it's right. opposite. But you know, if he's not pitching, it's where's that money going? You mm-hmm. know, so you want to see him healthy. And like you said, you'd much rather see him miss. You know, the first whatever. Phew hopefully two series of the season yeah, and then be able to go and be good and stay healthy for the whole season. you much rather see that than him try to ramp it up really quick and get hurt right away. All
0: right, so I sold Strauss short. He has pitched in 26 and two-thirds innings since he signed that contract. Five in 2020, 21 in – Uh, two thirds last year and only five starts. So he's made seven starts since he signed that contract.
1: It's not enough, Bobby. It's not enough.
0: I mean, Strasburg is not going to be a guy that you look at the deadline to to flip, to trade, not with that money, not with the lack of production he's had over the last two years. So he is here for the long haul. And I mean, like I said, you need him available for those 20 to 30 starts in the later half of the season, even if he misses the first two weeks of April. Um, That's what you need him to be. Because other than that, Patrick Corbin has a lot of question marks. There were even people saying should the Nationals try to trade him? That's just not a possibility in my mind with his lack of production over the last two years and still three years remaining on his deal. Um, A lot of money. I know he's a left-hander, but I just don't see how the Nationals. One, I don't think they were going to try to trade him, too. I don't think they'll find a partner to trade for him. Um, And then you got a lot relying on Josiah Gray. You now have Joe Ross out for an extended period of time. You have Eric Fetty now back into taking a reliable uh, or a big position in this rotation. Paulo Espino, I think, made his debut last night as well. You know, can you count on him to give you innings? He pitched admirably in Strasburg's place last year, but can you go another season of him being a part of this rotation for the long haul? Strasburg needs to be the, the number one guy.
1: Yeah, like you said last week. Right now, Josiah Gray is really the only short thing yeah. in this rotation, and he got
0: you hit got,
1: around. I fish we'll just in Josiah Gray bit. gave up a home run. <laughs> yeah, um, in his debut, you're not super worried about it, but he's young, you know. Yeah. And for him, they need Steven Strasburg to lead this rotation when push comes to show. For
0: Gray, he was he said after the fact too. He's like, I am still learning how to be a major league pitcher really? on a daily basis. And I have to be able to, I, he did bounce back. I think he gave up, I know no at least two. He gave up three homers mm-hmm. in his first outing, but he said he, you know, he was able to shrug the shrug them off and, and, and try and come back. And, you know, it's a mental thing too, right? Cause like you, with all that pressure on him being one of the centerpieces of that big Max Scherzer straight turner deal with the Dodgers along with KB Ruiz. And now you're expected to be the number three guy in this rotation behind you know, so Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin, and then your first outing, you kind of get blasted. You could easily kind of like hold your head and you know hang your head low and like be really down on yourself. He said he feel, still feels confident mm-hmm. and ba- came back and, and thought he pitched well. That happens too. I mean, it's spring training home runs, especially in Florida where the wind blows, right. it's like take that with a grain of salt. It's how you can bounce back to it. I think Josiah Gray looking forward to a second outing and and hopefully he's able to keep that ball in the yard more often this year. First
1: outing of the year. You're not super worried about it. It is how he bounces back. And that's what it comes down to with young pitchers. You can't get too down on yourself. You Mm -hmm. have to learn how to come back. And I'm sure Davey Martinez and this pitching coaches are working with him. He's just establishing a routine down there. He's just establishing a spring training routine and how to amp up for the season. So excited to see his next outing, how he bounces back and, um, yeah, he's really <laughs> the only short thing in this rotation right now. Yeah. So.
0: Um, other more piece of note uh, to get to before we get out of here. Um, again, no baseball today on the national side. There are still being holding workouts, but MLB Pipeline did come out with their new top 30 rankings of the Nationals prospects. We've been waiting for this for a couple of weeks now. It finally came out. No real surprises. I was just interested to see where Christian Vacaro landed. Mm-hmm. Kate Kavali number one, Brady House number two. Cole Henry jumps up to number three. Jackson Rutledge stays at five or four, excuse me. And then Christian Vacaro enters the top 30 at number five. Uh, that's a pretty high praise. And that's why the Nationals went after him and gave him the largest signing bonus to any international prospect in club history. Um, he's already a top five prospect in their system that is looking to kind of rebuild and get back to prominence in the baseball world.
1: Yeah, that's exciting to see the Nationals, you know, making strides with this organization right now and with this farm system and within the, you know, international market, which is even more exciting to see them get a guy like this, this high profile and slide in there at number five. And good for Cole Henry moving up the list. And honestly, I was a little bit surprised that Jackson Rutledge didn't slide further than he did. You know what,
0: me too, actually. I was actually surprised too. I thought he would definitely fall out of the top Mm -hmm. five. Um, with all the injuries he had to deal with last year and how good Cole Henry looked in his limited action, and Jackson kind of struggled. But I I think that goes to show that he still has a lot of potential. He's thought very highly of. It's just, can he be healthy? Can he put it all together? We'll see. And then also kind of tying back into that rotation conversation we just had, you know, you you need Strauss and Corbin to be themselves too because you don't want to put too much pressure on Kate Cavalli. You don't want to have to bring him up at the beginning of the season and have him be a part of the rotation. You want to bring him up once he's ready, get him a couple, whether it's double A or triple A starts, probably eventually triple A uh, to start the season and then bring him up whenever he's really ready. You don't want his first outing of the season being at the major league level. Right,
1: you don't want his... Debuted to be a product of what's going on at the big league level you want it to be a product of his success at the minor yeah league
0: level. i don't think they would do that because they do like you yeah. know they've got sanchez they've got aaron sanchez um they've got other guys in place that they could and you know
1: Oh yeah we have we have all the sanchez right so <laughs>
0: many sanchezes and you know what and, and um adrian sanchez is also a guy we didn't mention in terms of third base conversation we know so, that he can come up i mean he's not a great bat but he's better probably defensively than Carter was. So, you know, he's got some experience there, but, uh, yeah, you don't want too much pressure landing on Rutledge and Cavalli, uh, to start the season out on the, they wouldn't, I don't think, because like we said, but, you know, you, that's also another reason why you want guys like Strauss and Corbin and Josiah Gray to really hit the ground running come uh, yep. opening day.
1: Yep, exactly. And so now spring training games are officially underway. Mm-hmm. We had our first weekend. Uh, the season's coming extra quick. But all these position battles and who you might see in the rotation and guys trying to make the opening day roster, you're getting to see happen live. So yeah. it's in, in live games, and you're getting to see them battle it out themselves. So exciting to see. Um, and... No game today, no game but today. tomorrow against at against the Marlins, right? Yep. I think it's uh, our first away official Yeah, it's, away. it's
0: yep, official actually traveling so yeah, far right. to Jupiter. Yeah. <laughs> um 105 start against the Marlins. Uh next Masson game is actually against the Marlins as well on Monday. That's a 105 start as well, so make sure you take a, a long lunch break on Monday to catch some National's baseball live on Mass and Bob, Kevin and Dan will have you from the west of the ballpark of the Palm Beaches. And like I said, just because there's no game today doesn't mean they're not news arbitration day is today so follow at Mark Zuckerman on Twitter on MassInSports.com on the MassIn app for all the latest updates uh, throughout the course of the afternoon and of course throughout spring training leading up to opening day hopefully you're following the MassIn All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts Spotify Google Podcasts and SoundCloud I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco Amy's at Amy Jennings News at MassIn Nationals across the board on all your social medias thank you so much for tuning into this weekend we'll be this week excuse me we'll be back next week maybe with some. Some regular season predictions, maybe some 40-man roster, 26-man roster outlooks, maybe some more news, uh, breakdowns of spring training as we get closer and closer to opening day. So stay tuned. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks to Brendan Mortensen for producing the show behind the scenes, and we'll catch you next week.